Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Netflix and Swole podcast, the best-smelling show on your feed. I'm your host, Caleb. And I need someone like you, someone who will rattle the cages. This is the new technology that I've developed. Smellable podcasts. Well, podcasts did need to iterate on something, so... Most of them are going to smell like sweaty dude. Um, You mean all of them? Yeah. I thought maybe that this would be a good bit to open the show with, but I don't think it's going to be a good bit. It happens. Things happen. Uh, speaking of which, how, how are, are you? you? Oh. oh, there's shit. that. Oh, why am I so awkward? <laughs> uh, I'm fine. Uh, except for a little mishap at work, which was not my fault. And it really wasn't my fault. So, uh, Do you sneeze on the boss? I wish. No. Uh, she's hard enforcing the, the stay out of my office thing. So, like, she has her own <laughs> office. So, like, she's enforcing the social distancing by, like, you throw, like, whatever you need to on her desk real quick. And then you back up to outside of her office. <laughs> but then she just has the thing that you sneezed on and handled with your hands. Oh, that's true. But, like, uh, I, I'm actually, I actually sneeze all that often at work anymore. I don't know what's up. My al- it's I, I have allergies, so I sneeze like a billion times. So everyone's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yes, I just do this. In fact, everyone in my family does this. So it's it's the way we've been for years. But that's not what it was. So uh, as you know, I do California payroll uh, exclusively at this point. Uh, and they wanted to handle checks uh, less often. So they wanted to do basically like direct mail from the payroll processing place. Uh, or where the checks get sent out. So they get sent out to, like, the employees' homes, uh, and only then did they realize that they didn't update anyone's addresses in time. So uh, a, a lot of ad- – 44 people uh, had checks sent to their old addresses because, f- you know, if, if you want to update your Wolf. policies, God forbid you, you fucking do anything about it to, to make it actually work. So uh, needless to say, I cut <laughs> – well, I have to cut 44 checks. Uh, on Tuesday, which they're all entered, uh, most of them are balanced, but uh, I had to I- issue 44 stop payments, uh, which costs the company $25 a piece. So, uh, quick math for everybody, it's $1,100, which is more than I make in two weeks. That sucks. It sucks because it was a lot of work. And, and Wait, when you... is that more than you net in two weeks? That's more than I net in two weeks, yes. Okay. Or... But you gross more than that? Uh, I gross that in about a week and a half. Okay. Is that right? I feel like we make about the same now. Yes. But uh, 125 of my weekly dollary dues goes to a separate account for our rent and such. 
I don't know. All of mine goes to the account that Vanessa shares so she can take it. That's 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 how that works. Yeah. That's also my favorite thing. That's that's actually not true. I'm I'm pretty much the the chief financial officer of the family. Like I'm the one that pays all the bills and stuff. Mm. So like she has access to that account, but like usually if she like she has her own bank account that she uses for most things. And if she needs to use that, she's like, Hey, do we have money in our account? And I'm like, of course, I'm really, really fucking good at this. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm actually like, it's, it's shitty to say, but I'm in like the best financial situation I've possibly ever been in. Uh, due to the pandemic, mainly because like I don't drive as much, I don't eat yeah. out as much. Like, agree. So, I, as shitty as it is for most people out there, I'm in a fantastic fucking spot. Of course, I am yeah. now officially part of the one percent because, uh, the <laughs> and I should say the American one percent, but because uh, let's be clear here: uh, if you had a job in America, you were in the world's one percent of income earners. Yes, that's true. Um, I don't know. I was talking to the wife's family today and they're like, yeah, you're what's that? Who your neighbors? Yeah. They're also <laughs> my neighbors. Um, they're like, you're the last, the last man standing. Like everybody else is laid off. So like, like me and Vanessa are the only ones that still have jobs. Cause, uh, well, I guess uh, two of her sisters work in the metal field, the medical field. They're mm. still working. But... Ooh, that's gotta be rough. Well, yeah, and I guess uh, her one sister uh, just found out that like her bitch coworker came to work sick and then tested positive for coronavirus. God bless. So, I think that at that point it should be legal to mail her anthrax. Well, I mean, she'd have to do it before September, where the U.S. Postal Service becomes insolvent. Yeah. Um, I was reading up a bit about that, and that's fucking crazy. Um, yeah, fuck the government, right? Yeah, it was a bill passed in, like, 2006 that really hampered them, which uh, yeah. is interesting. Because they have to pay up, like, they have to prepay pensions for all their employees up to like 2050 or something absurd like something that no other company in the world has to do right it's like if it weren't for that like the postal service is actually profitable but like because they have to do that like they're hemorrhaging money yeah and no one will do anything about it so Hope everyone's ready for the non-mail-in ballots that are going to allow uh, Orange Man to yeah. continue to be president. Well, you'll have to uh, send them through FedEx, and then they won't arrive. That's okay. That so we actually have FedEx at our company. Like we we go we ship through FedEx, and there are days where they won't pick up FedEx packages. Yeah, I fucking hate FedEx. Um, UPS is fine. And who, who's, the other one's like DHL or something like that. Like, that's like the only other one that I can think of. That's like yeah, a, a they're also service. garbage. Yeah, they're probably worse than FedEx. Yeah. So, uh, bring back the Pony Express, you cowards! <laughs> Just bring back telegrams. Fuck it. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Fuck it.
Everybody uh, get a fax machine. Fuck uh, it. Oh, uh, fuck it. Put, it. put a fax machine on a do-back. <laughs> oh, let's fax some do-backs over there. Ah, um, oh, fuck it. It's going to make a billion dollars anyway. That's my Kathleen Kennedy impression. Yeah. Fuck it. Just put a tank of Snokes over there next to the do-backs. Oh... <sighs> Well, uh, I have a funny story, but we I can only tell it in, uh, what's your swill? Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans! Stay away from the cans! Alright, so I went to buy booze this week. Uh, and North Carolina has this thing called ABC, which is their their uh, wine and spirits store uh, that you you would recognize. Basically the same layout, it's kind of amazing, but uh, they are hard enforcing that one customer at a time, uh, you can't browse the shelves or anything. You have to like, like there's three employees or like, I think there was actually four employees, one behind the the glass with, uh, a mask on and some gloves on, which made perfect sense. Uh, and then you yell to an employee, Hey, I want this thing. Uh, and they go and get it for you. So of course I went in like nine different bottles of, of things. But I didn't want to seem like an alcoholic to all three employees, so I just told them I wanted one thing. So, uh, I got a big-ass bottle of Bombay Sapphire, which is not what I'm drinking. Uh, instead, what I am drinking is uh, Corona Familiar. Uh, this is uh, an amber cor- Corona. And uh, let me tell you something. doesn't need lime, because guess what? It actually has flavor. Because, uh, it, well, what does it say? Cervasia... Uh, Cervaceria Modelo. Oh, no, that's probably a, a region. Never mind. Uh, boy, I'm white. Uh, it's, it's, it's good. Yeah. Yeah, okay, Paul. Bruh, I don't speak Spanish. You, you give me French, <laughs> though? Crap. There you oh, go. I do fromage. Wait, aren't crepes just those tiny little pancakes? We could compromise. We could say, I love tiny pancakes. <laughs> That's a Talladega Nights reference for everybody. You never thought you'd hear that in the middle of a show about uh, talking about Corona. Uh, I'm having. Uh, I have still a bunch of mini bottles of shit that I've picked up along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Serpent's Bite Apple Cider Flavored Whiskey. Um, okay. I just dumped it in apple juice. So I'm having apple juice with a, a bit of a kick. Because I I looked at this, I looked at the fucking Ed Hardy fucking art that's on the label, <laughs> and I was like, well, this is going to be bad, so in the juice you go. It's it's the Jeff Lowe of mini bottles. <laughs> yeah. The motherfucker owns so many Affliction t-shirts. He has, he, he buys ripped jeans. Let's yeah. never forget that. I don't think I've ever met anybody who had an Affliction shirt. That guy is like 30. I've seen them at the bar and such, but I always avoid those people because they're not someone I want to associate with in any way, shape, or form. Because fuck Guidos. That is correct. Uh, Hey, why don't we talk about some, some news that happened, and good God, did a lot of news happen. Oh, shit, it's mail time. So, Tiger King continues to be a a juggernaut on Netflix. It's still number Um, one. 
It's amazing. Yeah, like, which it's it's easily the longest that something has ever been number one after release. Uh, it it truly is an inspiration to us all. Uh, however, there's some some backlash to it. Uh, so I have a couple stories here. Uh, Joe Exotic is a horrible racist. <laughs> Who would have fucking guessed? Yeah. Um. So, according to this article that I found from Digital Spy, uh, which is apparently a news site, um, <laughs> the people editing the show cut all of his terrible, terrible racism out of the show. Yes. Um, which, I mean, you would have to, otherwise it would just be some fucking dude with a mullet yelling the N-word a whole bunch. Um, so... I guess the point is, let's stop all acting like he's some kind of blue-collar hero. Uh, he deserves to be in prison, as does everybody on the show who isn't in prison. Yes. They all should be. Yes. Uh, there's no winners here. Uh, uh, and, I, and I think, I mean, ultimately, they wanted, like, the show, wanted the, to show him as, like, a decent person, but you can't do that if, like... He's already accused of a murder for hire plot and all the other things uh, that he is clearly guilty of. But, mm -hmm. like, you need to have him as sympathetic, sort of. So, in order to do that, you have to cut out the racism. Yes. Which is the only thing you can do. Uh, and, I mean, once you go racist, you can never go back. Yeah. Once you... <laughs> once I'm trying you hate... to... I'm... Once you hate blacks... <laughs> Uh, don't, don't be racist. Yes. I, I was wondering where you were going with that. I'm like, what word, what, what, how's he going to follow this up? And hey, you, I you, was you, just going to do like a, once you go black, you never go back type thing. But, oh, I know, I know. I mean, fucking look at the guy. The way he talks, the way he dresses, like, like he's a piece of shit to animals. Like, yeah, uh, yeah I, I would expect him to be a piece of shit to humans. Yeah. Gotta smear that motherfucker with some sardine oil. Throw him in the tiger pit. Uh, speaking of, Carol fucking Baskin's house is being buzzed by drones. Uh, she is receiving death threats. She says the Tiger King producers betrayed her. I don't know what she expected. Um, apparently she thought that the show was gonna be all about Joe's, uh, mistreatment of animals and like, she was going to be the hero that, uh, that like, she's saving the animals and stuff? Okay. I mean, the show is very clearly about, like, all the crazy people in the tiger, like, in the big cat business, uh, of her being one, like, she's one of those people. So, like, of yeah. course they're going to come after her, too, and make her look like an asshole. Yeah, because she's an asshole and she should be in jail. Yes. And she, uh... <laughs> She definitely killed her husband. Hundred percent killed her husband. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what she expected here. And it's not like she's the only one that got done did dirty. Like Doc Antle is like the biggest villain of that show. Yeah, but like that that man has nothing redeeming going for him. At least Carol has like the oh yeah my my tigers are kind of like free roam tigers or whatever. Except for when I feed them, in which case they go into a cage. Yeah, she. She at least stopped murdering husbands and breeding tigers to, like, <laughs> parade them around for people. 
Because uh, she used to do that, too. Like, oh, yeah. She wasn't always a fucking rescue operation. No. Well, hey, so. uh, speaking of Tiger King, let's make it three for three. Uh, we're getting an after show for Tiger King, uh, hosted by Joel McHale. Hey, he's still on the payroll. Still on the payroll. Uh, so this is actually out as we're speaking right now, so you can go watch it if you haven't already. But I'm assuming... Well, I since, know what me and the wife are doing tonight. I'm assuming that since everyone else has watched Tiger King on, on the planet Earth, uh, that you're all going to watch this after show as well. Uh, I, I don't know when filming stopped for Tiger King. Uh, but this is basically like a catch-up from the end of that to current. Uh, as like Joel McHale released a, like a Twitter video... Being like, yo, I'm doing the thing for Tiger King. It's like, okay. Uh, so you're watching it. I-, I can tell you right now, I'm not watching it. I think after shows are fucking garbage. They are. They're they're garbage. They are, but they are cheap, and people watch them, and that is yeah. the only reason they exist. And- I don't know. I tried to watch the uh, fucking Stranger Things season two after show, and it was like the cringiest thing. Well, it's just like, was it? It's that. It's that gif of uh. <laughs> Or not the gif, the image of uh, Barack Obama giving himself a medal. Like it feels like it's one of those <laughs> things. Yeah. So like, yeah, no, I don't, I, I don't need it. Like, I'll just read the synopsis of the after show and just be like, okay, yeah, that's whatever. This is fine. But no, I don't blame, I don't blame Netflix at all for doing this because like Tiger King, as we said, is the most popular thing that's ever happened in the face of history. Uh, and maybe that's partially due to the pandemic going on, but I mean, you got to strike while the iron's hot. So good for you. I would also assume that this only was cooked up after the show became popular, which was during coronavirus. So like normally with after shows, you'd have to fly people in. They'd have to like chill in the same, you have to rent out a space, all that kind of stuff. Instead, you're paying people to to appear on the show. You're not flying them out. You're not renting a space. You're probably doing this all over FaceTime or Zoom or something like that. So you don't need anything. This is probably the cheapest after show that was ever made in human history. Yeah, that's true. He didn't even have to get any guests on because they're all in jail or fucking trash. Yeah. Did you see <laughs> that Joe Exotic's net worth went up to like $15 million or something like that after Tiger King premiered? I believe it. Everybody probably bought all his fucking albums. Also, net worth is really not like an actual indicator of anything because it's just like how much people think you're worth. Meanwhile, like like that's what the number one thing when people are like, oh, this person's super rich. Their net worth is this. And it's like, that's not what that's not what you think it means. Stop thinking that's what it means, because it doesn't mean this is how much they have. This means like how much they're publicly perceived to be worth. Like their their net worth is like the stock market of like human value. Yeah. Which means it's meaningless and only uh fueled by speculators and panickers. I'm sorry, that's my fine I, I promise I won't talk about the uh my no, fuck, it, I'm going to talk about it. Uh <laughs> so our next story, I'm just going to skip ahead to this. Uh, so Martin Scorsese is shop around his new movie Killers of oh, the Flower God. Moon. Because uh, Paramount doesn't want to pay $200 million for it, which is what the budget has ri- uh, risen to. So who's Joe Pesci going to play in this one? It's a great question. It actually stars Leo. But um, so Netflix and Apple are currently in discussions amongst probably other places. Uh, so, uh, of course, some smartass online uh, went, 
Well, uh, should Netflix buy uh, buy the uh, Killers of the Flower Moon? Well, they create their their money through alchemy, so of course they should. And it's like, if by alchemy you mean they offer a service and people pay for it, uh, to to the tune of one point five billion dollars a month, which I think is even outdated as of now because that was like Q three that uh, that that was released. But like, so it's probably close to two billion a month. But regardless, uh, if you want to pretend that uh, getting uh, $1.5 billion a month from subscriptions is alchemy, sure, sure. You do whatever you want, bud. You want to continue to be willfully ignorant and just kind of meme on things? Go for it. That's fine. Well, it is sort of like alchemy. Yeah, so they're, they're, it, you're, it you're not wrong. It follows the law of equivalent exchange. Yes. You you give up something to get something. <laughs> You're not you're not wrong, but there but the way I took alchemy was like, oh, the money just falls from the sky onto their their building's rooftop every month because they sacrifice and like your, four humans. And your broadband modem is like uh an alchemy circle. You're getting into full metal alchemist here and I don't like it. I don't like it. You're going to yeah. make a homunculus here and we don't need that. And and trace amounts of seventeen other elements. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Talk about anything else. Uh, I don't really care about the rest of these news stories. Okay. Uh, then let's let's run through them real quick. Uh, Space Force is coming on May 29th. Okay. Uh, Dead to Me season two premieres on May 8th. I'm actually excited about that, but I don't know why they're releasing it the same day as the Eddie. I think that's how it's pronounced. Uh, and then Atomic Blonde two is coming to Netflix apparently. Yeah. Um Did that movie just not do well? Uh it did fine. I think uh, based off the article that uh, I linked, the the director always talked about like doing the sequel to a, a a streaming service, which is a weird strategy for how you want to talk about your movie. Is is Netflix movie sequels the new direct to DVD? Oh, dude. Yes. Not even just sequels. Like Netflix, straight to Netflix has been like a, a derogatory term since Netflix started doing movies. Yeah, I guess so. Like that's why I don't think Marriage Story or The Irishman or Dolomite Is My Name or any of the other Oscar contenders last year had a real chance because direct to Netflix still has that stigma. Okay. Uh speaking of shit getting sent direct to Netflix. Uh, let's go to downstream. Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line! Our first trailer is for Love 101. This is something. It's got kids in it. They're the bad kids. <laughs> uh, but they don't want to change even though they get in trouble. <laughs> and for some reason they have to make their teacher fall in love so that they get off their dicks and like let them be fucked up kids maybe that's a better synopsis of the trailer than i can come with i have no idea what this thing's about at all i have no idea well let me read the synopsis from the like the the tagline or whatever it is from the trailer one sec holy fuck yeah you're not far off there bud the story of being yourself in spite of everything and everyone get the uh, fuck off i i <laughs> I don't I don't need, I don't even know Caleb. I don't even know. I'm an emo kid, non-conforming as can be. You'd be non-conforming too if you look just like me. Uh this looks terrible. The the next trailer we have is for The Midnight Gospel. 
a new animated series from Pendleton Ward, the creator of Adventure Time. Yeah, I I'm excited about this. Uh it looks right up my alley, which is to say uh really fucking bizarre. Yes, it looks extremely bizarre. Uh it looks like adult animation too, which is nice. Yeah, we need, we need it's more like adult Adventure animation. Time on drugs and they say holy shit in the trailer. Holy shit. Yeah, I'm interested. I'm intrigued. I like Pendleton Ward a lot. Um aside from just uh doing Adventure Time. He also co-authored uh one of the officially released 5th edition D&D campaigns, mm. which which happens to be the one that I actually played through with some of my friends and uh it was very good. There you go. That's all. Okay. Uh so yeah, uh, interested about the, the Midnight Gospel. I mean, it's Pendleton Ward. He has a good track record even from Adventure Time, so. Yeah. Even if he just has basically one thing, like one show, Although he might yeah, have done other stuff. Hopefully it doesn't do a disenchantment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh speaking of disenchanting, our next trailer is for Extraction. This is a, a Chris Hemsworth movie produced yeah. by the Russo brothers, because the director isn't famous enough. Yeah, so this is uh I guess what Thor's doing now that he's lost the weight and gotten a haircut. Um, I don't know. This looks fine. Yeah. He's a special forces guy. He has to go shoot things. Um, the trailer's three minutes. Uh, I lost interest. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a big problem. The general the general gist I got out of this is like he lost his family, so this young boy who is abandoned by everybody, uh, becomes like a surrogate son figure to him. Well, why doesn't he go find his own family instead? Because uh, they're dead. Oh. You you said he lost them. You were just trying to being nice and, and sensitive, <laughs> sensitive to this fictional movie hey, character. I'm uh, yeah. I guess I shouldn't make a joke about dudes' kids being dead. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I wish this was coming. Play to me theaters. off, Johnny. <laughs> I wish this was coming to theaters because I'd like to see an action movie in theaters. Uh, honestly. Other than like Triple Frontier, and I know that's a that's not the popular thing to say, but other than the Triple Frontier, I don't think I can't think of a single Netflix action movie that I've liked. Uh you liked the Siege of Jadaville, didn't you? Oh yeah, there was that. I forgot about that one. That was so long ago. I liked that movie a lot. That movie's great. I'm gonna go watch that. The Siege of J- J- Jadaville or Jadoville or whatever. It's in like Africa. I think we settled on Jadotville. Okay. Uh so other than, okay, other than that one movie, uh nothing else has come close. Although this one seems like it's trying to actually like have a plot and like have like characters as opposed yeah. to all the other ones which is kind of like mindless action. I don't know. I kind of I kind of like Spectral. It was just popcorn trash. Oh yeah. I would love that in theaters. That would have been a great popcorn trash movie in theaters. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next is Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Uh, this is a, a Tom Middle Ditch and Ben Schwartz, uh, improv comedy special. Hard pass. Hard pass. Uh, the next trailer is for the half of it, a movie. This. Uh, Shades of Explain. Cyrano, Shades of Cyrano de Bergerac. 
Uh, it's about a girl who, who forges uh, essays for people for money. And a guy comes to her and is like, I want to write love letters. So, so she writes him love letters for this girl, but then she falls for the girl. Uh, and it's, it's Cyrano de Bergerac again, because apparently, uh, Netflix can only make certain romance movies. Uh, and since Sierra Burgess is a loser, didn't do too well. Uh, we have to remake Cyrano de Bergerac again. Although this actually also, looks like it's trying to say something about, you know, uh, what the fuck? Uh, like bisexuality and who you are in front of your parents and that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah. Also, like the, the girl and guy become like good friends. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. It's like a romantic comedy, but it, hmm. Would it be wrong to call it a bromantic comedy? Well, no, because it even says in the trailer, like, uh, love isn't always about romance or whatever, so it's like... Yeah, not all love stories are romances or whatever. Yeah, something like that, so... So I think the movie is more about these these two becoming friends. Yeah. Rather than than them both uh, thirsting for the same chick. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, uh, it looks interesting. I'll be checking this out. Yeah. Once again, really long trailer, but uh, like once it actually got to the fucking point, and I realized that what that's what it was, I was like, "Oh, that looks cute." Yeah. Uh, so our last trailer. Um, you remember how Love Is Blind? Yep. Did did really well. Yep. I guess this is like the opposite show. It's called Too Hot to Handle. Um. It's a bunch of sexy people who like sex and having sex mm-hmm. in a sexy resort. Uh, and it's a dating show. Um, but the twist is that they're not allowed to have sexy sex with each other. Um, yeah, there's like a cash prize for all of them. And they, yeah. every time they initiate in like sexual conduct, they get money deducted from their, their cash prize at the end. Yeah. And of course, they're struggling with it because they all can't stop being horny. Yeah, I think it's a decent enough premise. I think it's actually like a rather original premise. <laughs> it kind of looks hilarious. It kind of looks un- like this is uh, this is like especially because pinnacle- everybody in it looks like a fucking awful person. Oh, hundred percent. Like, there's the one woman in the trailer who's just like, "Yeah, I would rate myself a ten out of 10. It's like, "All right, bitch, settle down." I don't know. Uh, let's, look, uh, my, my Ashley's going to watch this. Let's be clear here. I know Ashley's going yeah, to watch well, this. Yeah, well, let's be honest. Yeah, she has nothing better to do. She has nothing better to do. She loves trash television, so she's going to watch this. And I guarantee uh, a lot of you are also going to watch it because Love is Blind was extraordinarily popular, and I'm, I guarantee some of you watched it. I but, watched it. Yeah, so uh, this is I'm going not, to do I'm well. better than you. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm better than all of you as I don't watch that. Mm. The only the only trash television show I watch is Real Housewives of New York, and I only do that because I love my girlfriend. Yeah, thank f- thank you for your sacrifice. Hey, you're welcome. <laughs> uh so so yeah, uh, it's a trash reality TV show. I mean, what, like what what else do you want? Th- this has its audience. We're not going to sway any of you from it or to it. So No. <laughs> from the streaming service that brought you Gaten Matarazzo's prank encounters. Did you watch this show? 
I did watch that show. Was it as bad as everyone was was saying it was? Like, like remember how everyone was freaking yeah. out about it? Well, everybody was freaking out about it because it was like, it just seemed mean because they were like giving people fake jobs. But like, what it was is like people who had signed up for one day temp work and they did pay them for it. Yeah. They probably paid them um, for even being on the show. Like, so they probably got more than they were originally yes. negotiated for in, in the first place. Okay. Yeah, that's not as bad. Like, they should have come out and said that that's what it was as opposed to uh, whatever whatever they decided to do originally. Which would be like, hey, we these people that are employed, we put them in hilarious situations. <laughs> and then they all lost their job. Yeah. I'm Matt, I'm a radar tech. Do you remember that skit? No. If you think I watched it's, anything uh, Star Wars outside of the movies, you're an insane person. <laughs> Undercover boss, Starkiller base. All right, that'll move us over into Quick Hits, where we talk about some other stuff we watched on Netflix this week. <laughs> So I see here that you watched The Stranger, a movie about a guy uh, sitting on his hand and then jerking off under the bubbles in the bathtub. See, I knew you'd make this joke. So I, <laughs> I explicitly put in the Google Doc, oh, The Stranger, oh, who's in there? The Stranger, parentheses, <laughs> no, not the sex thing. So but, is this, uh, is it based on the Albert Camus novel? It is based on the Harlan Coben novel. Ah. Uh, so this show is uh, a show about a, a stranger, uh, ironically enough, who would have guessed that a stranger shows up, uh, who shows up out of nowhere and like kind of rocks people's lives by revealing what seemed to be private information about uh, their family members that would change, that uh, begins a paradigm shift for how they see their family and such. Uh, this stars Richard Armitage. Now, if that name sounds familiar, or if it doesn't sound familiar to you, that is the voice of Trevor from Castlevania. Uh, and let me tell you yeah. something. When he's voicing Trevor, he's just speaking. He's not putting on a voice of any kind. He's just speaking. Which is Love fine. It. I have no issues with that. It's just, it's, it was, oh, this is Richard. Oh, that's who Richard Armitage is. Okay, I get it now. Um, So basically, this, this stranger shows up out of nowhere and it's like, hey, your wife faked her pregnancy. And he's like, wait, what? And it sets off this entire chain of uh, events that carries us through the series. Uh, and eventually he becomes the best goddamn private investigator of all time, uh, as is with uh, – what the fuck was it? Oh, it was called Safe last year, uh, which is also a, a Harlan Coben novel-turned-Netflix uh, series, where the main character is a better investigator than the actual police. So uh, that's a, that seems to be a trademark of Harlan Coben things, which is that, like – this person that should have no investigation experience, although uh, Richard Armitage's character is a lawyer, so I guess he has some investigation experience, uh, okay. figures out the mystery behind everything. Uh, I won't go into it because it's not that I don't want to spoil it. It's just so fucking convoluted to read it or, or to like list it out without you watching it. Uh, it's eight episodes. I recommend it. Like It's good. Uh, I, I have a, a major issue with who, like, what the stranger's motives are, because, like, they're, they portray themselves as, like, this harbinger of good, and they ultimately are, like, this idiot piece of shit that just, like, wants to come in and collapse people's lives for, for no fucking reason whatsoever. That's, that's at least how I came across it, but 
that's just my take on it. But yeah, uh, three and a half out of five. Uh, okay. it, it was it wasn't the worst. It was it was fine. There is a another uh, novel called The Stranger, and it is number seven in the Animorphs series. Uh, is that uh, the one where Tobias I'm, gets stuck as the raven? No, uh, it is. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Where's that show? Where's that show on any <laughs> streaming service? I want that show. You remember, you remember Animorphs? I do. That, that was not... a stupid thing that we were all into. Yeah, I had the books. Uh, apparently in this, there's a, a part of it where they all turn into cockroaches, so. And then Tony Montana comes out of nowhere. Uh. And it introduced the Elemist, whatever that is. I don't remember that. <laughs> there's a bunch of nonsense shit. Remember when Sean Ashmore was in that show? He was the leader? Yeah. Um. I don't know. I remember, dude, the one kid that I was in school with in elementary school was, like, the biggest fucking Animorphs nut. And he had, like, dude, they were, like, spinoff books that they were, like, 40 bucks and they were like not in the mainline series of novels but they were like deep lore backstory shit and he had all that shit so it's the Silmarillion yeah it was like okay bud like why don't you take 10 to 15 percent off or over there <laughs> yeah that was that was a show that happened like it, it was I a never weird saw time. the show but I I sporadically read the novels when I couldn't find enough Goosebumps books yeah, it was that and Goosebumps. Yeah, you're right. Man, they wonder why we do drugs. <laughs> okay, tell me about The Mask of Zorro. All right, so The Mask of Zorro. This is a, a movie from uh, 1998. So With uh, Antonio Banderas and Catherine Zeta-Jones? And Anthony Hopkins all bronzed up. Yeah, oh yeah! Man, I remember this movie being pretty good. Uh, yeah. Please disappoint me. I, oh, don't worry, I will. <laughs> uh, look, ultimately, this movie is fine. It's a very 90s movie. Uh, Antonio yeah, Banderas that's... is, like, extremely charming, but that's kind of, like, about it. Yeah, I feel like this was just a thing of its time. Yeah. Well, like, I was nine when this movie came out. So, like, mm-hmm. watching this as a nine-year-old, you're like, oh, fuck, look, sword fighting. This is so cool. And now you're watching it, and you're like, Man, Catherine Zeta-Jones isn't Hispanic. Anthony Hopkins isn't Hispanic. Like, viewing this through a 2020 lens, you're like, none of these characters are Hispanic in any way. Like, Antonio Banderas is the closest because he comes from Spain. And that's yeah. about it. Like, it's, yeah, it's fine. Like, like it's a fun it, adventure romp. Like, it's not like The Mummy. Like, The Mummy came, around, came okay. out around the same time. And The Mummy is, like, I think, a bit more timeless. This is, like... I don't say product of its okay, time. Okay, I was like, I was going to ask you specifically how it stacks up against the Mummy. So. Oh, well, there it is. Yeah, it's a step below for sure. Like, I think the Mummy is a good movie, uh, even if it's yeah. like extraordinarily nineties. But this is like, uh, have you there. watched The Mummy Returns lately? No. Uh that movie, like, it still has a lot of the charm of the original, but uh, it's it's aged much poorer than the original but what about the mummy return of the dragon emperor whatever the fuck that one was called with jet lee uh, i think i saw like 10 minutes of that one time on tbs or something <laughs> that sounds right because uh, no one saw it in the theater all right friend tell me about this star trek episode that i uh, that i didn't watch 
All right, welcome to Caleb Watches Star Trek, a segment. Uh, and I'm here today to talk to you about the episode of Star Trek The Next Generation titled The Schizoid Man. Uh, this is Season 2, Episode 6. Um, the Enterprise gets sent on a mission to uh, provide medical care for this sort of eccentric genius uh, who is... Uh, like the theme of his research is basically like they call it the singularity in like popular culture. It's like uh, the mind machine interface. Um, so as you can probably gather from that, uh, this is a data episode. Sure. Um, which are the ones that I always find the most interesting because data is probably the most interesting character. So it turns out that like. Data's part of the away team that goes down to, like, talk to this guy. Um, and, like, like the scientist who created Data... Um, Bruce Maddox. W- ...was uh, this dude's protege. Hmm. So, like, he makes Data call him Grandpa. That's which weird. Which is weird. Yeah, it's real weird. I am your grandfather. You will refer to me as Grandpa. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know, he keeps, uh, he keeps bringing up the, the story of the Tin Woodsman and, like, singing If I Only Had a Heart to Data, which is on theme, I guess. I don't know. But, uh, basically the plot of the episode is that, uh, like, since his research was, like, like, he was going to put his mind into a computer so that he would become immortal effectively oh this episode like, this kind of an episode yes yeah but uh since data came along and he already has a uh, a computer mind and is an autonomous being like the dude transfers his mind into data and everybody's like boy data sure is acting fucking weird and then they slowly piece it together that uh it's this other guy in data's body uh-huh. um so they have to convince him that like Data isn't just, like, an appliance. Like, he's he's a unique being with a consciousness. So, like, the guy takes his mind out of Data and uh, stores it in the ship's computer for later use. That's uh, not going to come back and fuck up everything? Well, maybe. I don't know. They said, uh, like, at the end of the episode, they're basically like, well, he transferred himself out of data into the computer, but, like, it's only his knowledge, not his consciousness. So, mm. like, the hu- the human part of him is dead. So, uh, it's it's funny, though, because, um, like, the dude dies, and, like, his mind is in data. So, but, so, like, the guy as data gives his own fucking eulogy, where he just prattles on and on about how fucking great he was and stuff. So okay, uh, it's neat. It's a cool episode. So yeah. I love hearing about Star Trek through other people's mouths. Like this is the only way I've really uh, get done. Like heard of anything regarding the Next Generation or anything else uh, other than mm-hmm. the original Star Trek, of which I've seen uh, several episodes too. But this is now my new favorite way to absorb Star Trek into into my brain is to hear other people <laughs> a complain about it or b just explain plots to me. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, this episode, like, it's nothing like Oscar worthy, but like, 
Uh, I think Brett Spiner is a, a pretty good actor because, like, well, he was an independent. You know, he should have won many well, yeah, Academy like, Awards. <laughs> yes, um, but like he, he, he's basically playing two characters in this, and uh, I don't know. Like that's not the first time in the series that he's done that either. So. Mm. Because he also played Lore that one time. Yeah, still waiting on Lore to return. Yeah, I'll let you know when he does. It was a good episode. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, I like uh, I like breaking them down this way instead of just like, hey, here's a list of Star Trek episodes I've watched. I'll just say like, hey, here's my favorite Star Star Trek episode that I've watched recently. Works for me. I hope it works for all of you. Uh, so with that, let's uh, cut into a quick break, and when we come back from that break, we will talk about the main review topic for the week, Tiger Tail. Can you imagine a world immune to all forms of cancer? Ladies and gentlemen, the time has come for our fourth annual live stream for the cure. And this year, we need your help more than ever. Please join us May 27th through May 31st for 48 hours of live content from guests and podcasts around the world. We'll be aiming for our most ambitious goal to date as we try to raise $10,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com for more information on this year's event and how you can be a part of it. Together, we can make a difference. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it is time to talk about our main review topic for the week, Tiger Tail. All right. Yes. Tiger Tail, Murder, Mayhem, and Madness. Uh, no, that's the Tiger King I, subtitle. I, I was waiting for it. Yeah. Uh, that's that's my joke. But up, up, but up, up. So this is directed and written by Alan Yang. Uh, brand new, just came out uh, on the 10th. Mm-hmm. So, uh, currently sits at a 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb. Oh, it hasn't moved. Okay. Uh, what did you think of Tiger Tail? Well, I like this movie. I, I expected something like truly great out of it. Uh, and what I got was like a Bombachian kind of script where it's like realistic characters. Yeah. And for some reason, I have a hard time reconciling realistic characters because, like, they they all have their flaws. Like, there's no, like, inherent person you root for unless you're, like, rooting for humanity in general. So, like, on that kind of level, I had a tough time, like, connecting with it. But I did empathize with a lot of the characters. And ultimately, I came down liking the movie quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, So the... Plot description of this on IMDb is a Taiwanese factory worker leaves his homeland to seek opportunity in America, where he struggles to find connection while balancing family and newfound responsibilities in his multi-generational drama. Mm-hmm. Um, so this uh, this centers around the character of uh, boy, I'm I'm probably gonna fuck this name up. He has an American uh, name. You can just use his American name. Grover? Yeah. Is that his American name? That okay. is his American name. What was his uh 
his Taiwanese name was like Pinjui or something. Yeah, something like that. Okay. See, that's what like some of the <laughs> characters have like uh anglicized names on the IMDb page, but like it, the movie mostly refers to them as like their like birth names or whatever. Yeah. So well, I mean, um, uh, ultimately, yeah, this is a subtitled movie. There, there's actually two steps of subtitles. And in the beginning, they say, uh, I think, Taiwanese subtitles are in the brackets, and then Mandarin is just on its own. Right, right. Uh, which is interesting. I don't know. I um, I I also like this quite a bit. I thought this was a a fairly beautifully formed portrait of, uh this guy and like what makes him tick and why he turned out the way he did and why his life went in the direction that it did. Mm -hmm. And it kind of culminates in him like learning to let go of some shit and reconnect with other people for the first time in presumably decades. Yeah. And I, well, really I think it's symptomatic of that generation. Like, when we think of that generation, we think of, you know, oh, let's uh, demonize therapy and that kind of stuff. Like, demonize talking about your stuff. Like, like whatever's going on with you, like, just leave it alone. Like, don't talk about it. Like, no one needs yeah. to hear your problems. Just shut up about it. Yeah. Especially as an immigrant, you know, like, uh, like he had that extra layer of pressure on him mm -hmm. and, you know, trying to take care of uh his wife which it's basically like an arranged marriage uh, um so yeah, like they don't in in a kind of yeah yeah but like basically they have like fuck all in common with each other so he's like trying to support her but like know, from his perspective like she has a duty to him as well that like She's not necessarily fulfilling. Sure. So, like, their relationship is strained at best. Yeah, that's the, yeah. Like, uh, there's, there's a few moments where, like, it really seems like they're starting to connect. Like, whenever he got the piano and he was like, hey, I thought, you know, since we're, we're both here and we're in this weird situation, like, we could both learn to play the piano together. Mm-hmm. And then it does a cut to him coming home from work and the piano just has like a bunch of mail and shit piled on top of it. Well, and we he just that. looks at it sadly. Yeah. Well, we had that, uh, that montage of him like opening and closing the shop every day, like his, his daily yeah. routine. And like after that, like he, he gets glasses. So that's how you can tell time has passed. But th then you see him come home and like he looks over to the piano and there's just shit all over it being like, oh, well, this never oh, amounted to fuck anything. It. Let's just throw all the shit over there. Uh, the other thing, I guess really the main thing of this movie is, like, it's non-linear. Like, it doesn't actually follow, like, a set linear path. It's a, a lot of reminiscing yeah. about the past from uh, Zima. Which I typically hate in movies, but, like, this movie actually executed it fairly well. I agree. And in a, in a, in a way that, like, actually moves the story forward instead of grinding it to a halt. Well, right, because when there's a, a quiet moment in real time, he like he he will sit there, like he'll sit there with this tea, and he'll reflect on his life prior, and that's mainly how we get all this stuff. Is like he's just like sitting there quietly reflecting. 
on you know his his life pass as opposed to like you know trying to tell the story linearly as to how he got like how he became what he is it's just like he is what he is here's how it happened yeah dude's name is zima and zima. that's that's badass do they still make zima uh yes so. i think they brought it back for a little bit huh he is very good at staring into the middle distance he's very good at that uh I, i've seen him in a few other things where he's like stereotypical asian man in in those yeah. and it's like oh this so this is like the movie which of course like alan yang is an asian man so like he writes a movie about like okay here here's asian people as actual characters as opposed to like a caricature of what we expect them to be that said uh old elderly or like older asian people are still <laughs> the motherfucking funniest people on planet earth because when they just speak, they just have, like, word vomit, and they say exactly what they want to say at all times. Yeah, very concise. Um, I don't know, like, the other half of this movie is him trying to uh, connect with his daughter, because, like, she kind of took the same path in life as he did. Like, she just overworks herself, doesn't connect with people, um, and that kind of precipitated in her husband leaving her uh and you know his response to it is basically that sounds difficult uh so like he has to learn to open up so that she can open up so that they can reconnect uh and i felt like that was i think that was him trying that's, that's really like that's basically yeah like uh whenever he kind of gets it and they start actually working on the relationship. That's basically like the third act of the movie is just that. Yeah. Well, because he doesn't want to see her go down the same path as him. Like he he realizes mm -hmm. now that he's like ultimately miserable, and that he needs to to do better so that she doesn't become miserable. Because like the ultimate goal of a parent is to make sure your children have a better life than you. And like we never see his kid, like his his son, uh, who apparently is in a band and is touring Europe. So we see yep. him uh, as a child one time, uh, and it's when his sister is crying in the back of the minivan because she fucked up during her piano recital. And, of, of course, uh, Zima just fucking pops off on her, and he's just, he's just like, why the fuck are you crying? Crying doesn't fix anything. Well, well, he says the same thing to her that his grandmother said to him when he was a child. Yeah. So, like, it, it's also... Like, they don't come right out and say it, but, like, this movie is also kind of about how, like, your parents hand their flaws down to you. Yes. Like, generation to generation, and, uh, I don't know, I thought that that was, uh, poignant. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. I, don't, I, I loved watching this with subtitles, because, like, every other scene, it just says in brackets, poignant music playing. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, you get the, the audio description. Like, you get uh, sorrowful music playing. And that's the thing. It's like the score is typically sorrowful and poignant only during, like, the the current timeline. Like, everything else is kind of, like, back in Taiwan, it's kind of romanticized. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, here he is as a kid. Here he is dating this Yeah, woman. like, I'm surprised they didn't put, like, a rose-tinted filter over those scenes. Like, literally. Yeah. But uh, maybe it didn't want to be too heavy-handed with that because, like, yeah. 
it, it already felt like these are the good times he was reminiscing on. And then his move to America is obviously like the big struggle. And then now it's like figuring it out and trying to move forward from that. Okay. Um, I think we've said enough about this. Let's do our ratings and then we can move into more uh, specific stuff. If there's any spoilery things you want to talk about. Sure. Uh, I'm three and a half for now. Uh, I'm sure if I revisit this later this year, because this is one of the movies I'm going to revisit it for the Swillies, most likely, uh, maybe I'll be able to reconcile realistic characters uh, after a second viewing. But uh, like I said, Bombakian kind of script in that you're watching real characters converse on yeah, screen. Yeah, very much and, so. And it, it's a warts and all kind of lifestyle. Like they're They're not perfect in any way, shape, or form. But otherwise, like, yeah, the nonlinearity and there, there is some voiceover that is they're probably going to shut off some people. But uh, those are things I normally don't like, but I didn't mind them in this. So, yeah, uh, it's a good movie. Go watch this. This is competing with Uncorked <laughs> right now for best original of the uh, best original movie of the year. Uh, I do think that this is the best thing Netflix has put out this year. Uh, I'm going to give it a four. Let me just play the ending for you. No, no, I don't want to see how it ends. Okay, I could describe it. Um, Imagine you're in a room. No, 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 I don't want to know how it ends. I haven't seen the beginning. Uh, Yeah, but the ending is awesome. So if I could just play the ending. This is what you always do. You always spoil stuff Uh, for me. No, I don't. And if I could just play the ending for you real quick, then we'll discuss that. Motherfucker, you always spoil everything before I get a chance to see it. Okay, you sound like a crazy person right now. Okay. Uh, Is there anything else that you wanted to say about uh, High Expectations, Asian Father, the movie? Yeah, uh... I mean, uh, so we get the we get the scene of uh, him and Yuan at the I think that's how you how you're going to pronounce her name or how you should pronounce her name. I don't yeah. know. Uh, but at the river uh, where it's like all right, they, they have sex and she's like, well, where were you? And he's like, ah, I was at home. I was stuck at home. Doesn't doesn't want to tell her that he was on a date with a different girl in, in like potentially moving to America. And he never tells her. And uh, they set it up quite nicely at the beginning of the movie. Whenever he's in the the rice fields and he sees his parents, and then uh, he the there's the scene of them going to like the airport or something, yeah, uh, where he sees her and then she disappears. So it's like, huh? Did he just see it? Like, is he just imagining her? And I thought that was kind of nice until uh, they answered that question at the end uh, at the uh, at their end sequence with the, with their relationship. Yeah, um, I thought that was great. The other thing. With this, like, I didn't really mention before, but, like, the camera work in this movie is very good. Like, any time it shows them in a rice field, like, the camera work is very, very good. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you get that, that montage at the end, too, where he, he's finally opening up about, like, here's where I lived as a kid. You- yeah, and he takes his daughter to he- actually see and, like, explains his life yeah. and shit to her. He opens up. And then, you know, the the final scene is him, like, crying, like, fi- finally showing emotion because, you know, it, it, while it doesn't solve anything, maybe it, hel- maybe it helps us in, like, an emotional release. So, and then yeah. it cuts through the window and you're like, oh, yeah, this house has just fallen to complete disrepair. Holy shit. And I also think um, the, the probably the scene I struggled with the most in terms of, like, who who's who's in the right here is the basically the divorce scene uh funnily enough considering i consider this a bombach like script but like when they're, when they're going back and forth like i i had a tough time like reconciling anything his wife was saying because it's like 
there was five years there where you could have gotten a job. Like you didn't have to be bored. You could have like gone out and done something as opposed to like hanging out with that one woman for five, five fucking years. And also like, like we don't get to see the in-between stuff, you know, like we don't know fully what their relationship was like, but, um, so it's easy to like, since this is from our main character's perspective, like it's easy to perceive her as a villain, but, uh, yeah, it seems like she's really in the wrong there. Like good for you for like doing what it takes to make you happy. But like, if you're staying with somebody for the kids, you're lying to them and you're a bad person. And I mean, whenever the kids actually do come along. Yeah. Like you're, you're effectively wasting probably a decade or more of his life waiting for the kids to grow up where he just thinks everything's fine. Yeah. Well, right. Cause he's never around. So he doesn't really understand. And like when, when she talks about raising the kids, it's like, okay, now I'm on her side a bit because like, yeah, he does work a lot and he does provide for the family, but there's still that hardship of raising kids. Like that's still difficult to do is raise kids. But like, there's still that period of time where she didn't do anything. Like she, she didn't do anything at all to help the family advance in any way, shape or form. And I, and I, I, I can't feel bad for her for, for that time period. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was interesting seeing the, uh, old ass pregnancy test. Oh my God. Yeah. Right. I was like, wait a minute. What the fuck is that? Oh my God. It's a pregnancy test. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, I'm also glad when he reconnects with Yuan that like they're able to talk as like older people, but also like they don't get together in any way, shape or form. It's like, okay, this is the thing yeah. that, you know, has like, it was, she even says like we were bad for each other. And I'm like, ah, we never really saw that. But also like, this is a 500 days of summer kind of scenario where we're only seeing it from his perspective. And like you were saying with like the rose tinted glasses, like kind of film or gel over top of the camera. Like maybe it was something like that too for him. Yeah. Yeah. Like we get, we get little snippets of, uh, of thing. Like we infer that it was, a happy healthy relationship but like that's because we only see the parts that were really good right and that's all you remember when you get older is the good the good yeah yeah which i mean it's right on theme like it's a movie about him reminiscing and like looking back at his life so fucking good job movie you did it yeah uh so yeah oh the other thing real quick uh so like he has this, or at least what is this seemingly great relationship back in Taiwan with this, with this girl. And then he gives it up in order to go to America because that's what he wants to do. Like when we see like these movies where you follow your dream and everything works out, like this is kind of like the antithesis of that. We're like, yeah, you followed your dream. Now you have to work even harder in order to maintain that dream. Like living in America is much more difficult than you thought it was. And like you, you're with someone who doesn't, love you in any way, shape or form. And it's just kind of there out of duty as opposed to, you know, any kind of love or intimacy or anything. And I, I thought that was nice because it's real. Like it feels like a real kind of thing that happens. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know. Like as much as like, I just couldn't really vibe with her character, but like, 
I loved the scenes with her and her friend that she met at the laundromat. Oh, yeah. Because uh, that woman's fucking hysterical. Well, and you like you would uh, I'm sure some people th- saw her as a negative influence and she is a bit of a negative influence, but she's also like telling her how to be her own person. But we really don't see that happen until like no. 20, 30 years down the road. I don't know. <laughs> like whenever. Uh... <laughs> During back to the divorce scene, like whenever she was laying all this shit out and she was just like. You know, I could have been somebody, but, like, I stayed out of duty to you and all of this shit. And, like, I could have had such a cool life. And I was just like, says the most boring fucking person in Taiwan. Yeah, right? Like, she, <laughs> she, there's no, con- like, the conversation they have during the date, there's, like, he's trying this, like, it reminds me of so many things. He's Tinder like, so what are you on. into? And she's like, oh, you know, stuff and things. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, so this is every fucking <laughs> Tinder date I've ever been on. Got it. Yeah. I'm glad to know that it was also difficult out there for, for dating life uh, back in, like, the, the 60s or 70s or whenever this takes place. And really, that's the other thing. It's like, I don't know when this takes place in Taiwan. Because, like, before the advent of the internet, like, other countries were, like, decades behind us in terms of American pop culture. So, like, while it looked like it was the 60s, I wouldn't be surprised if it was actually, like, the 80s based off of, like, how pop culture flows through the world. Eh, I got the sense that, like, when he came to America, it was, like, the 70s, just from, like, looking around the neighborhood and shit. Mm. I don't know. Like, they were really into Otis Redding, so. Yeah, that's a good point. Her best friend, uh, Yuan's best friend, Otis, named after her favorite singer. (laughs) Oh, that's it. I have nothing else to really talk about with this movie, but, yeah, uh, I liked it. I'm glad we talked about this. Yeah, I think uh, I think the only other thing I'll mention is like I got a pretty good chuckle out of uh, our main character's uh, sourpuss face whenever Yuan mentioned her husband when they met up. Yeah, <laughs> just immediate cut to that. It's like fuck. Well, <laughs> there goes that. But like I said, I'm glad they didn't wind up together. Like it's it yeah. it, it it didn't need to be that. It would have felt story. cheap. Yeah. Like, oh, she just didn't have a life and, like, waited for him so that they could be happy. Yeah. I, I will say, though, uh, real quick, that I feel like there could have been more movie. Like, I, I wouldn't have been opposed to more movie. Like, this was 90 minutes, basically. Like, I wouldn't have been opposed to, like, a maybe 110, 115-minute movie about this. Yeah. I don't know. I've, I'd have been along for the ride for more, but, like, I don't know. At the same time, I feel like it. It did what it needed to do, and then it finished. Yeah. You know. Which I appreciate as well. I don't know. I, th- I think that this is a, a movie that's designed for people who are into film as art. Oh, yeah. So. I mean, it has subtitles, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Hulu, I hate them, but they, they, they released the best tweet ever regarding Parasite, which is like someone was bitching about, like, Oh, well, the movie's in subtitles, and I don't want to read. And it's like, uh, and Hulu responded back, all right, we'll learn Korean then. <laughs> Which is the correct response. Do you not want to read, or do you not know how to read? Yes. Okay. Uh, hey, let's take a quick break. 
when we come back, we'll talk about a patron review. Uh, this was a a special one that got sent to us uh, for Batman Begins. So stick around. The Netflix and Swole podcast is brought to you by our patrons. Gerald from Two Peas on the podcast. Nick and Justin from the Epic Film Guys podcast. Paul from the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews podcast. The IMDB Journey podcast. Julio from the Contrarians podcast. Ashley Gorski from the Rabbit Ears TV podcast. Nate Wade from the Everyone Has a Story podcast. Bill Sutton, James Delarosa, Ben Kiefer, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, and Dan's mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at patreon.com slash Netflix and Swill. In order to reach a wider audience, the show needs Apple Podcast reviews. To leave us a review, follow the link in the show notes or search for the show on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening and helping us grow. Our audience is at the heart of everything we do. You make the one-star movies worth it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Dan, it is the 15th anniversary of Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins, and Epic Film Guy Nick wanted us to talk about it for some reason. Well, fine, if you don't want my money. You mean, if we watched terrible movies, you'd give us money? Well, sure. Mr. Caleb, welcome to the patron review segment. Uh, so now we apparently watch things that aren't on Netflix just for the fuck of it. I mean... Which I'm fine with. I'll watch any damn thing. I mean, to be fair to Nick, uh, he put this out on, like, the 31st, and Batman Begins left on the 1st of, uh, of April, so... Yeah. It was just bad timing. No, no, it's fine. And, uh, like we mentioned before, like, we both just have this movie, so... Yeah. Because it's a great movie, everybody. Who would have guessed it? The the movie that started it all. Is it a great movie? I think so. Hmm. Isn't it like an 8.2 on IMDb or something like that? Uh, it is. Okay, so stats. Uh, this is a 2005 action-adventure movie. 8.2 out of 10 on IMDb. Uh, directed by Christopher Nolan with a screenplay written by Christopher Nolan and David S. Goyer. Starring Christian Bale, Mike Cocaine, and Ken Watanabe, uh, fucking Liam Neeson, fucking Katie Holmes before she got mind wiped. No, this uh, was Gary Oldman. This was during the mind wiping. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, fucking Gary Oldman's in this. He's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, Tom Wilkinson, Rucker Hauer. Rucker Hauer, who I finally recognized after watching Blade Runner, I was like, oh, that's Rucker Hauer. Okay. Uh, don't forget uh, Killian Murphy and uh, Morgan Freeman, who got many freckles for teaching Bruce Wayne how, how technology worked. Yeah. Uh, I think this movie aged poorly. Really? Yeah. That's a, that's a hot there's, take. There's a lot of fucking quick cuts. Oh, you mean during the action scenes? Yeah. Yes. The action scenes do not look good. If there's one negative to the Nolan trilogy... It is that he cannot shoot fucking action. Like, he's just yeah. too, he's too tight on everything for some reason. Well, like, whenever there's the scene where, uh, like, Batman has to go fight Taken on the train. Um, <laughs> and, 
and like he busts through the side of the train and then just like lands there and stands in front of him just for him to like come through the window and stand up in front of taken there's like five cuts yes um this is a movie about batman fighting his old friend rachel ghoul uh which everybody in the movie pronounces wrong for some reason and christopher nolan was like ah fuck it who cares also, I don't know if there was a generally accepted way of pronouncing Ra's al Ghul, because like, I know with the Batman games, specifically, yeah. the the pronunciation moved to Ra's al Ghul, and, and I don't remember that happening before then. I don't remember Ra's al Ghul ever being in like the, the animated series. I wasn't series. aware that he was... Yeah, I don't think he was in the animated series, so he wasn't in my like consciousness of right. Batman and his rogues gallery. However, I really like Celian Murphy as the Scarecrow. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that Scarecrow is like top tier Batman villain. Oh yeah, big time. I really, I really like him a lot. So, uh, we we get the not quite a meme yet uh, Christian Bale Batman voice. Yeah, as the movie goes along, he um, like when he first starts Batmaning, he. It just like talks in his own voice, but a bit lower. Yeah. But like progressively throughout the movie, it gets a little bit more gravelly in each scene that he's the Batman. I'm sorry, sir. Can you speak in a lower register? I'd like to report a burglary. Where's the detonator? Uh, Where's Rachel? Uh, I love it. Uh, I love Liam Neeson as Ra's al Ghul. I love him. I I think he was like the perfect guy to to have as Ra's al Ghul. Yeah. E even even if their fight scenes were were cut city. Yeah, I liked how uh, you know, he shows up. Like his first scene, he's like, "Hey, my name is so and so," but like, the real important person is Ra's al Ghul, and it's this person standing directly behind me. Mm-hmm. And then, like, uh, nobody ever refers to him by name again. So then there's like, oh, hey, plot twist. I was Ra's al Ghul. And it's I like, well, we know we know that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I always kind of took it as like a, a Dread Pirate Roberts kind of thing. Like, as opposed to like the Lazarus Pit kind of garbage that you get with Ra's al Ghul. Instead, you get like a, okay, the leader of the League of Shadows is always referred to as Ra's al Ghul. Yeah. Yeah. So that way the man just seems immortal and like you never kill him. Like it's it's an interesting way to play on the Lazarus pit a bit without like directly like deferring from the realistic nature of this trilogy. Des despite the fact that there's a, a a flower that causes uh, weird fear <laughs> hallucinations. Yeah. And uh no matter what Christian Bale needs uh, Morgan Freeman conveniently has just the right thing. Sure, yeah. I, I mean, like, it's a... Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't think there's very much realistic uh, stuff to this movie. But uh, By realistic, I mean, like, no fucking magic or anything stupid. Like, like no, like, Bane isn't, you know, a, a, a super jacked up monster. He's just a guy with a mask on that. Uh, he's just a guy who has painkillers constantly flowing through his body because he's in incredible pain all the time. 
as opposed to being like some jacked up Mexican wrestler guy. Although he's like actually incredibly intelligent, but no one yeah. ever plays on that. Yeah. Oh, Bane's my favorite Batman villain by far. Hey, remember that time when he was just reduced to a walking, talking idiot in the Batman movies? Because Joel Schumacher? Yeah. He would just, like, grunt and point. Yeah. At least at least Nolan tried with him. Didn't do... It wasn't the best. It doesn't matter who Well, I feel like he was trolling everybody in that. It was like, hey, you fucking hate the Batman voice. We'll try Bane. <laughs> you really adopted the darkness. I was born into it. Still, uh, this is the most quotable Batman movie with the the best Batman lines because uh, we need someone like you, someone who will rattle the cages, and uh, I don't know. Swear I, to me, I think I think Dark me. Knight. I think Dark Knight because that's the one where he says, "I'm not wearing hockey pads." Oh, I mean that that's in the first five minutes too, and it's the best. Well, not the Why first five minutes. Why you want to kill me, Joker? <laughs> where is it in here? Where's <laughs> Tell me where are you? But, but this is this is the, like these those are like the two like the swear to me and uh uh I, we need someone like you someone who rattled the cages are like the two that we screamed like the most at team dinner where people would yes. tell us to shut the fuck up and then we just scream louder because we could. Because <laughs> what were they gonna do? Come fight us? Yeah, right. In the middle of the school, sure, go for it, bud. All right, uh, do you want to rate this? Yes, uh, it's a great movie. Guess my rating. Uh, four? That's correct. I, I like the, the whole theme of fear throughout the uh, the entire movie. Like, everything's always, yeah. always about, like, Bruce's fear. And so I always get, like, the, the shot back. Like, this is, the one, this is one of the movies where, like, his parents getting killed actually makes some sense, and, uh, like, in terms of us actually seeing it, because, like, that is his greatest fear was like seeing his parents get killed. So, okay. Uh, um, yes. So <laughs> I'm going to get tweet blasted for this. I'm waiting uh, for it. It's fine. Okay. Uh, two and a half. Ooh, that's what uh, I thought. Okay. Yeah. Did not age well. That's fair. I, I, I will never disagree with you regarding the action in these movies. Well, like, even, I don't know, 2005 was, like, a weird stylistic time for movies, and, like, it just, I don't know, like, it, the whole movie just feels, like, grimy, but, like, in a bad way, not that it's, like, a seedy crime thriller, but more that it's just, like, unpolished. Okay. Um, I don't know. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, the, you're not wrong. Like, there's this weird time between, like, the turn of the millennium uh, and, like, mid-2000s, like, maybe 2007 yeah. or so, where things yeah, are, like, like, really weird. Like, films between, like, 2000 to 2000, or, like, even before that, probably, like, mid-90s to, like, 2007, it's very hard for me to go back and enjoy a lot of those films. Yeah. And if you get something from that time that actually works, like... Typically, it's not action movies because action movies were like made way differently than yeah. how they are now. Yep. <sighs> but, you know, that's my opinion. Fuck me, I guess. Yeah, fuck you. Piece of shit, you're wrong. How dare you not rate this also a great? Julio, don't at me. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm waiting for it. Uh, I wonder what... Eh, I was going to say I wonder what people will be more mad about me uh, giving this a 2.5 or me giving Raiders a 2.5, but I think Raiders... It's Raiders. Yeah. Raiders is okay. Yeah, that's that's fine. I don't care. I'm the one, I'm like the one person that doesn't fucking give a shit. I just don't care. <laughs> and that's why I like you so much. Because like, I hate everything, and you just don't care. I just I just don't care. Like, like <laughs> what what the fu- oh we watched Spookies last night, uh, which is a full movie on YouTube. Uh, it is so bad. It's so bad. It's just so like the like watching the best of the worst about it and like how how it's like hey they shot the movie and they were like hey you made worse evil dead uh fucking fix it and then they just shoved in more spookies it was just kind of fucking hilarious to watch it's just like it's so quick cut incoherent garbage it's amazing everyone go watch spookies on youtube uh that movie doesn't exist i'm epic film guy nick now, I haven't heard of it, therefore it can't be real. <laughs> Just, Justin has presented this thing to me, therefore it must not be real. And <laughs> in, in, in reality, is uh, an effective troll job that he's been setting up since the 1980s. All right. Um. Yeah, let's be let's be done with this. Uh, I can't wait d- until we review uh, the Dark Knight, and I can shit all over that timeless classic. I probably won't. You probably won't. Nah. Actually, I actually really like certain things of that movie because of, like, uh, like from an academic standpoint. Mm. Like, the uh, the opening, like, bank heist scene is a really interesting example of game theory in action. So, like, I could talk about that for about ten minutes. So, the length of the, 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 the bank scene. Yes. I mean... I I wouldn't be opposed to ever watching that, but it has to come back to Netflix. But then, but of course, it's a WB thing, so it's going to go to HBO Max forever and stay there. Hmm. All right, uh, let's uh, start wrapping the show up. Sure. Uh, next week on the show, what what are we doing? Uh, we're going to watch and review the Big Show show. This is a show about the Big Show, who was a. Uh, a big wrestler on the wrestling show called The Big Show. Yes. And now he has his very own Big Show show. So, uh, we were originally going to do Sergio, but then I don't know how you came across it, but you came across the trailer for The Big Show show, and you were like, why didn't we review this? Well, so- I just saw it in, I just saw it in, like, my uh, homepage on Netflix. Mm. And I was like, how the fuck has Dan not picked this as a topic? Like. Like you're allowed to pick wrestling shit. And I don't care. Oh, don't worry, because uh, because of that, because of your 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 gift of the Big Show show. Uh, instead of doing a dick pick, we're going to do a, a wrestling double feature, as there yes. is another wrestling thing that was released this week. <laughs> uh, it's called the main event, uh, and basically, this ten year old kid uh, gets a mask that allows him to wrestle with professional wrestlers. Oh uh, my god! It, it is sponsored. It, it also features WWE wrestlers. So. Like I'm so excited! I can't wait because this—it's just like my like wrestling isn't my favorite thing, but it's like a, it's like a top ten thing that defines who I am. Like I, I like I, fuck Nick and I were just doing a, a a thread over on Twitter about like WWE wrestlers and promos and shit, and I fucking love that. So like yeah. 
So I'm gonna talk in this voice the whole show next week. Oh yeah, dig it. But of course, you're gonna know none of these wrestlers because like they're all people. They're like mid card guys that I have like, Google weren't weren't. Oh sure, but like they're not busy, so they're just like here, fucking be in this movie for like three weeks. <laughs> cool. So yeah, uh, get ready for WrestleCeption tomorrow or tomorrow uh, next week, whenever whenever the show releases. I I for one cannot wait. Uh, Dan, tell them stuff. Hey, find us at NetflixandSoul.com. That's uh, where you can find links to the show, links to our social medias, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Those are the main three. Uh, also, uh, what, what, this will release on the 14th, so that means you have two days to uh, review us on Podchaser and make Podchaser donate 25 cents uh, to uh, COVID-19 relief uh, for Meals on Wheels. Uh, if you do that, the, the like, just do it. I don't want to beg you, but like it's it's you're you're not doing anything most likely, and if you are, this takes like two three minutes out of your time to do it. So just review us there. Say like hi, like just leave a review of some kind, just just for charity. Like who cares? Just do something, please. It's real yes. easy. It's so easy. A caveman could do it. Wait, that's trademarked. <laughs> All right. Um. Well, I'm very excited about next week's show. Uh, so until then, this is Caleb saying, know your role and shut your mouth. Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.